0: World Media Group podcast. My name is Belinda Barker and I'm the Chief Executive. We have a slightly different podcast from normal because I'm really excited to be joined by Navin Ramahan. So Navin is the Vice President of Emphasis but he also recently was awarded Um, the World Media Group Award for Content Leadership and Innovation. So congratulations and welcome, Nevin.
1: Thank you, Belinda. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Specifically, the work that the judges looked at, one of the comments I picked up on was, it was very impressive how you were able to bring a campaign in what is essentially a, a quite a tricky category in a very rich way. Now, you, you live and breathe, Emphasis, and I know what an incredibly enormous organisation it is, but uh, quite a lot of our audience may well be at the beginning ends of their careers, and they may not be As familiar or familiar at all with the Infosys brands? I hope you don't mind just starting off explaining a little bit about who who and what Infosys is.
1: Let me start from the very beginning then Linda. So Infosys is a a large global uh, IT services and consulting organization. We started off around 42 years back with a seed capital of around $250 with seven founders and today we are about $18 billion in revenue. We have 330,000 employees globally, and we are in 56 countries managing uh, our clients' businesses, which is really around digital transformation. So in essence, we really look after the entire technology spectrum of uh, large enterprises who are our clients. And these are enterprises which are uh, the Global 2000, the Fortune 500s of the world. So really managing different kinds of work related to their technology transformation. Uh, that's what we really do. Just to give you an example, imagine an iconic automaker, which is really looking at their cloud transformation to really look at how cloud can impact their connected cars business. Similarly, a government organization, which is looking at implementing a lot of strategies for the SME businesses that they want to do using blockchain as a thing. So we help them implement a blockchain strategy to for their small and medium-sized industries within, within their constituents. We look at AI to really help tennis players improve and manage their games. And that's one of the works that we do with sports organizations. So in a sense, we manage uh, the entire technology spectrum of uh, medium to large enterprises uh, around any kind of uh, challenges that they face, which technology can really solve. Uh, But I would like to define Infosys more uh, in a different way. And I think our purpose statement really helps us define us much better than data points, we really define ourselves as an organization which is there to help amplify human potential to navigate the next in terms of for people, businesses and communities. And that's what we really do. And I think 42 years back, the value systems that the founders had put in, behind the organization still rests in terms of how we go about doing our business. And one of the things that we are really proud of is really, we are considered very advanced in terms of our ESG strategies. Uh, We became carbon neutral in 2019, 2020, much 30 years ahead of the Paris Agreement. We've been carbon neutral for the last four years. The other thing that we do in the social sustainability space is that we are now implementing a strategy of really reskilling about 10 million people with digital skills. Uh, We are already halfway of the mark. 5 million people are already on a platform that is provided free to enable people to learn digital skills. So we're very proud of doing things which are beyond business. I don't think we can call this beyond business because now ESG is a core part of every organization's strategy. Uh, And from a people perspective, I think learnability is one of the core strategies of Infosys. We have probably the world's largest corporate university in Mysore, where we train close to about 15,000 people simultaneously. So learning and constantly evolving ourselves to learn new technologies and bring that to our clients' business is is core to us. Uh, so that's what we do. It's really about amplifying human potential, really, for people, businesses and communities. And that actually defines and a lot more than the technology definition of that we are an IT services company. I think we are a people company that uses technology to really help our clients better.
0: Fascinating. I, I wish we've got time to talk because I'd, I'd love to know more about how you achieved carbon being carbon neutral and also the 15,000 universities. Both of those feel like they're a podcast in their own right, but let's stick to to what you specifically were were winning awards on for for now. And actually, before we get to that work, uh, I'd like to know a little bit more about you. you. You've been with um, emphasis for 19 years which in itself is is extremely uh, you know it's it's really unusual people rarely spend that long of in their career in one company I'd, I'd like to know one you started off as a chemical engineer and then you made a massive leap into marketing which is it shows that you're very independent and creative and willing to take chances And then you've stayed in a single company for almost 20 years. So, What drives you and what made you make those changes or not make changes?
1: (laughs) That's an interesting question, Melinda. Uh, So I think when you start off, I think you don't look at, okay, where you are, what kind of career that you're looking at. I went more by my interests when I decided to join chemical engineering. I think I was interested in maths, I was interested in chemistry. I got some good marks in these two subjects and that was a natural tendency to, hey, let's look at chemical engineering because I seem to have an app chemistry and maths and, and uh, that was uh, probably a, a decision which was made more on uh, looking at, okay, what am I good at in terms of subjects and not really what am I passionate about or what do I really like uh, to do in my future. Uh, but I have no complaints, I had a great time in, in, in doing my engineering. I got a great job after that uh, worked in a shift production uh, as a shift production officer in a chemical uh, firm uh, but i soon realized i think uh, that people management skills were really important uh, in any organization that you work i think more and more than the engineering knowledge that i was uh, i was trying to bring to the work uh, the people management skills were really more important uh, in order to really gain confidence of the people who were there in the factory uh, and that led me to uh, a direction saying that this is a skill. I seem to like it. I, I enjoy doing something like this. Uh, and it seems to be important in any business context, in any kind of uh, organization set of people management skills uh, come very handy. And that led me into the direction of doing an, a management degree and 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 post my management degree. I, I did it in marketing communications um, in India. And then I joined an advertising firm. Uh, again, that was very led with a passion towards communication. I enjoyed looking at advertising. I enjoyed marketing as a stream. So it led me to join an advertising firm, which is the WPP group, J. Walter Thompson at that point in time. And I had a fascinating four, four and a half, five years uh, with J. Walter Thompson, really learning the roots of uh, communication. How does How do you really look at managing media? What works with the audience? How do you look at segmenting your audience? How do you understand categories and i think the foundational knowledge that you get from an agency is something very difficult to get if you're on the other side if you're directly joining a corporate organization and managing marketing i think the foundational knowledge that you get from agency is very important at least that's what i tend to now when i look back i thought that really gave me a a sound grounding in terms of understanding communications and media and different channels very well uh, and then the, from there, it was a natural uh, progression towards moving to uh, the client side of the business. Uh, I used to manage a lot of technology brands. Again, because of my background in uh, in engineering, uh, naturally, they gave me a lot of clients uh, which were on the technology side of things. And that's how I moved to Infosys. Uh, Infosys at that point in time was looking for somebody to manage the, the branding activities of uh, uh, the Banking Products Division of Infosys. Uh, it's called Finical. Uh, uh, it's one of the shining uh, products uh, and brands coming out of India. It's a product uh, brand, uh, which is a banking products division. We manage core banking applications of large banks globally. In fact, uh, uh, there is a stat that 15% of uh, of the population, global population, is uh, banked by Finical uh, in some sense. So uh, that's the kind of application uh, that Infosys uh, has been building uh, for a long time now. Uh, a majority of the banks globally run on, run on Finical. So it was a fascinating journey to kickstart for one, rebranding that whole product, working on product marketing, understanding the product very well, understanding again the audience. It gave me a chance to really understand different markets because we were trying to expand the product from India and taking it uh, globally, uh, looking at different banks across different markets. And that gave me a lot of exposure in terms of understanding markets and what works in different markets. So I worked in, in the Finicle business, eventually heading the overall marketing for Finicle for almost about nine years. And then from there, I got an opportunity to move to the services side of Infosys business, which is the largest component of Infosys business that happens. And for the past 11 years, I've been working on the services side. Now I head marketing for all the business verticals of Infosys. Which is so we have large financial services uh, business, we have a manufacturing business, telecom business. So there are marketing that we require. We call it field marketing or industry marketing. So I lead overall industry marketing for, but I also manage a lot of corporate functions. Enforces uh, like I manage the overall global partnership, tennis partnership, which is a brand partnership. Uh, that's something that I manage. Uh, I manage large events, uh, customer events for Enforces. Uh, we have one called Confluence, which we run across all the different geos that we have. I also manage Europe as a region. Uh, that's a new portfolio that I've been handling for the last uh, four and a half years now. So I think it's been a it's been a fascinating journey of taking on new challenges, new opportunities within the organization. I've never felt that I'm getting bored in one job because every second year I've been given something new to manage and look at, and that gave me a different kind of an exposure. So it's been a it's been a journey of new learnings and the people have been fantastic to work with. The The team has been great in terms of learning from each other. So it's I've never felt the need to really go out because I was getting all the exposure within the same organization and they were giving me new challenges. Now I'm also head uh, Infosys UK operations and this thing. So it's a very different kind of challenge. It's not a marketing challenge. It's a very business kind of a challenge where you have to look at the people in, in this organization. How do you put on processes for this organization? Uh, I handle CSR for Infosys in Europe, uh, which is a very different way of looking at the business. How do you take a look at technology for good and, and do something for the community in this region? So I think the exposure has been varied uh, and it has given me a chance to really... Uh, skill myself in different ways and I've gained learned from each of these opportunities that was thrown at me so never got bored and that's been <laughs> 19 years now so enjoying every moment of it and uh, looking forward to the next challenge actually.
0: You referred you talked earlier about your primary target audience being mid to, to large size businesses and you also talked a little bit you just then about the t- tennis which is was one of the campaigns specifically that that you got the award for um I'd be fascinated to know what made at at a fundamental level what made you think that that content was the right approach and then how you got into the tennis partnership because it's interesting because you've done it in a very different way than most big corporations do do it
1: I think it's a very interesting question Belinda at Infosys we follow our our content marketing approach with a theme called unmarketing we call it unmarketing it's a very value-driven kind of an approach where we are not really marketing the technology but we are creating marketing with the help of technology so that, that really is the approach that we have put down in this unmarketing. So it's not marketing the technology, but it's to create marketing using technology itself. So I'll try and explain it uh, in a way that we, we rather than creating TV commercials and all kinds of campaign, we want to create products and services and platforms using our technology and that becomes our marketing itself. Uh, and tennis is a great example uh, of uh, what we are doing in, in, in the content marketing approach, where we are actually building a digital platform for ATP, which helps players and coaches to understand statistics much better. It helps fans to really engage with the game in a much more immersive way, uh, which they wouldn't have done if they had just uh, watched the game on TV. Uh, If you go to our platforms that we have created on the website, they understand the game in a much more granular way, uh, and that improves the fan engagement level uh, within the website. Uh, And so the backbone of all of these kind of immersive experiences that we are creating is done using Infosys technology, and that becomes a marketable technology for us to showcase it to our other clients. So... We be, go beyond the core core audience of just the tennis audience, tennis stakeholders to our other business uh, audience to show them what we can do with data that we are getting from say tennis data that we are getting from all the matches. It can easily be done with the retail data. It can easily be done with manufacturing data. So the similar principles of what we have been able to create using technology for tennis can actually, be also be created for um, other businesses. So that has been our philosophy in terms of an approach of marketing where the technology that is used for creating products and services and platforms and digital experiences that we create for any kind of business, we use that itself to market ourselves. And that has been the differentiating factor because it brings in... Uh, authenticity it brings in value in terms of uh, what we are doing. We are we are talking from a place of uh, knowledge, uh, and the clients appreciate that you actually know what you're really talking about, and it leads to meaningful uh, engagement and conversations with them. And that has been the most successful thing for us over over the last eight years that we've been associated with tennis. And now we've taken this model even to our other partnerships. Like we have a partnership with the Economist Group, uh, where we have built their entire sustainability platform. It's called the Sustainability Project. And one of the problem statements that they had come to us with was that their sustainability content in the Economist website is spread across the whole website. They don't know who's reading what kind of content. And they wanted to bring all of this together. But in a way that it is personalized, in a way that it becomes they know a lot about their audience and what they're consuming and how can we then target them much better so we created a platform for them Uh, it's live on the economist impact website it's called the sustainability project so every content related to sustainability is now in a single place and the economist team is now able to target their audience of sustainability in a much more sharper way they know they completely understand what their audience is reading, how much are they liking it, how much time are they spending on the content. And so it gives them new insights in terms of what are the new things that they need to do in this space, what kind of content is being liked. So it's almost like a Netflix kind of an experience that you're bringing to a sustainability content that is there. Similarly, we are creating something called as a value chain navigator with them, which is a digital tool to look at how organizations around the world are looking at their scope three emissions. Now, while these are projects which are delivering business value to The Economist, it is actually helping us from our thought leadership perspective in the sustainability space. So tomorrow, if I go to a manufacturing organization, I can actually show them the work that I'm doing for The Economist Group uh, around sustainability and what we have created. So it helps us build our credibility in the sustainability space. And at the same time, we are building new technology solutions, which is solving a real world problem for our clients. I think. Uh, Leading with content like this helps us to create a very differentiated kind of proposition, which is helping us in the market, both from a brand perspective as well as from a business impact perspective.
0: And I'm, I'm I'm going to admit to being slightly thick because I have we've had this conversation before, and I've read your case study. And and by the way, anyone listening to this, you can go onto the World Media Group website and you can read the whole InfoSys case study. Um, for yourself. And I would really recommend that you do that, do that, but your own marketing and how you explain that and how they integrate. I it, I feel like the penny has finally dropped and I really can't get what it is that, that you're trying to achieve, not trying to achieve that you are achieving. So perhaps before we finish this, I've been, you, you are a specialist But I so I'd like to pick your brains a little bit about how you feel content marketing, not just necessarily for you at at emphasis, but but more broadly, it's been a big trend over the years. Is that likely to continue and and is it going to how is it going to morph? It it will always morph. But but what what are your predictions for, for the next year or two?
1: Yeah, I think for starters, I think the definition of uh, content has really changed. Um, it's think... no longer about text. It's no longer about audio. It's no longer about video. I don't think it's no, it's uh, anything about information also. I think at least what we are seeing in the market, it's a lot about content being experiential and content being immersive. That's what we are seeing. And how do you really so if you look at it every year the number of digital channels and mediums are increasing whether it is web 3 whether it is gen ai now whether it was metaverse i think every each of these trends have uh, probably a hype cycle Uh, and i'm not saying that as marketeers we should not ride uh, some of these uh, hype cycles Uh, i think we should but i think We should write it in a way that it is furthering the brand's narrative. I think that is the most important thing. How is it really adding to your brand story? How is it making it relevant to the audience that you're really trying to target? How is it relevant for the business that you are in? I think just creating content for the sake of creating content is not really helping. How are you really writing some of these things in a way that it is Solving a specific business problem and uh, it is contextual to the business that you're in and it is furthering your brand's narrative. So I'll give you an example on this. Again, one of the other media publications that we work with is uh, Financial Times. And Financial Times, about two years back, they came to us with a business problem. And their problem was this. They said that we feel that the world of journalism is going to be very different in the next few years we feel that a lot of people would want to contribute to the content and not just be passive listeners or the audience of that content. They would want to contribute to that content in in some way. They call this as participative content. They call this whole phenomena as participative content and they wanted to understand what can we do in a way that we involve and engage our audience in, in, in participating with our content. I may not like the, the conclusion that a particular journalist who has written a story to be, but I I want a slightly different kind of a conclusion to this thing. So how do I participate in a content like this? And we brainstormed with the visual journalism team of Financial Times and we came up with, uh, with a gamification of the entire content. We created something called the FT Climate Game because at that point in time, it was, I think COP27 was about to come. And we were really looking at how can we bring in a content which is relevant at that point in time, but not create an article or not create uh, another paper around that thing? But how do we really engage the audience which is interested in a topic like this? So we worked with them and created a game. It's called the FT Climate Game. You can just type, uh, Google it and, and type on Financial Times Climate Change Game. And it's a very immersive and scientifically based game that has been created. So one, you understand everything about the kind of decisions that you're taking. How will it really impact the environment? If you make a certain kind of a change, so you have X amount of money, you you have four personas that you can become. And with each persona, you can actually decide how you want to really take decisions, which will end up really having a certain kind of an impact on the climate. So the whole goal was to ensure that the temperature doesn't rise above 1.5 uh, 1.5 degrees, and how do you ensure that you do that over a period of this game? It was a fascinating way to look at the re reimagine content completely, and understanding of the subject itself. The point that I'm trying to make is, content itself is going to be very different. Some would be gamified content, some would be. Um, metaverse. So another example that I can take from the tennis world uh, is something that we created for the International Tennis Hall of Fame. Uh, They are based in Newport in Rhode Island. uh, And it is where tennis started uh, in in, in the US. It's the only grass court tournament that happens there. And they have something called as the Tennis Hall of Fame, which is where the legends of the game and uh, every old artifacts related to tennis is displayed uh, and consumed. But unless you go to Newport and unless you visit this place, you can't see this fabulous museum that is there in the Tennis Hall of Fame. So they came to us that how can we take this global? We want every tennis fan globally to be able to experience the Hall of Fame in a way that is immersive, in a way that is very experiential in some sense. So we built a metaverse for them, which is you can actually go into this metaverse, you can take your own avatar and then you can move around this entire space in a way that you're actually there in in some sense. It's just been launched about in July and we're seeing tremendous results out of that whole thing. So it was a specific business problem and the, the content there is really this metaverse where people are really exploring this entire space and understanding about the Hall of Fame and every artifact that is there in a much more immersive manner. So I think my whole thing is the the content strategy is really evolving around marketing strategy, around creating content that is that is one, it's genuine. I think one which builds in some kind of authenticity into every interaction that you do, which creates some kind of a meaningful engagement with your target audience. So as long as we are able to add value through content, as long as we are able to add authenticity with the content and uh, a meaningful engagement with their content. I think that's the direction where content is headed. And we are looking at any form of content. If it can answer these three questions and you're able to create a content which is immersive, which is uh, experiential to some extent, I think it will be a winner. You've
0: you've answered my next question already, which was going to be about what, if anything, you've been doing on the metaverse. So you've you've already answered that. I'm going to ask one final question just on if... That there is one challenge or one trend that you're going to be watching out for over the next 12 months? What would it be?
1: I think we'll continue to watch on how technology is evolving. I think there is, uh, with Gen AI now, I think. There is a huge amount of opportunity in terms of how you create content, how you consume content, and what are the different directions that it can really take, not just from exposure of content, but also in terms of optimization of a lot of things that we are doing in terms of how you build that content uh, itself.
0: But do you see that as an opportunity or a threat?
1: Uh, I think there, there is a lot of opportunity. I don't see it as a threat at all. In fact, uh, we are experimenting with uh, uh, AI models to uh, not just sol- solve clients' business problem, but also in marketing, we are really trying to see how can we push the narrative in a way that clients understand and in a much more immersive way. So I think the Gen AI space is going to be very exciting in the next 12 to 24 months. And we are really keen to explore and try and create uh, But I think the principles for us will not change. We want to look at any of these new technologies with the same principles of uh, making sure that it furthers the brand's narrative, it adds value, it really engages in a way that it is meaningful. And I think the storytelling aspect of content is going to become uh, much more important because it's it's going to lead to a human-centric kind of uh, content building that's going to happen right now. And we're seeing that has a much better resonance from our clients when we connect with them at a human level with our content.
0: That's fascinating. Thank you so much, Naveen. I'm really looking forward to meeting you properly on September the 7th when you will officially be given your World Media Award. But thank you for taking the time today to chat. And for anyone who's listening our next podcast is going to be with our rising star award winner we don't yet know who that is that will not be announced until september the 7th so i look forward to finding out and with that i just like to thank you so much navin for for sharing your time with us thank you
1: thank you belinda it was a pleasure and and looking forward to september the 7th
0: brilliant thank you bye